in Jesus' name, amen. Let's go to Psalms 23. We're doing a series called Table in the Wilderness, uh, and today's message is Don't Sleep Standing Up. Let's go ahead and stand to our feet, and let's read the, the Psalms, Psalms 23. Let's go there, starting with verse 1, and you can just repeat this along with me. Uh, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I hope, I hope that you're reviewing this scripture every morning. I pray that you're learning it and memorizing it. And uh, last week we heard from John Martinson, and he talked about how since he was nine years old to now being 84 years old, he used this as a tool to navigate his life through the military and his life uh, growing up raising kids and grandkids and now great 13 great-grandkids. And so you too can use the same tool that will change your life forever. And right now where we're at is in... Um, in uh, verse 2, it says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me by the still waters, and he restores my soul. Green pastures. You know, green pastures are a luxury in the Middle East where this was written. Because it took some work to get green pastures. And uh, obviously, you know, a lot less rain there. But um, there was uh, different ways to prepare a pasture for the sheep. And if uh, a shepherd uh, didn't care that much, he would just let the sheep run until they found something to nibble on. But a good pastor prepares ahead of time. A good shepherd prepares a pastor. Pasture. Yesterday, I went to a party at Richard Jan's, and we parked in the pasture, and I thought, the pastor is parking in the pasture. And it's... Good. It's funny, you can tell people that are new to Christianity is when they call you Pastor Steve. <laughs> yeah, well, people do poop on you sometimes, but, um, uh, but green pastures are that place where there's nourishment, that place where you can lie down and rest and eat and drink the still waters. And the reason I want to uh, title this Don't Sleep standing up is sheep will sleep standing up if they're agitated if they're nervous if they're afraid if they're, there's a lot of different things and um, one of the things that we see is that when they stand up they're they're ready to go because at any time they're going to take off running but if they're laying down they're they're top heavy and they weigh a lot and they they're not agile like a deer they can't just jump up and just sprint uh, they, they take some time to get up. And so they'll sleep standing up so that they can take off running at the slightest little squirmish that's happening around them. One dog could come into a uh, herd of sheep and devastate 201 night. One dog. 
and uh, that would be devastating. And sometimes that happens uh, in life. Sometimes it just takes one person to come in and start a real problem, right? And so as we're looking at this verse, I want to look at it. David wrote it as a shepherd, but also as a sheep. In this analogy, a very common analogy in the Middle East, where this was written, would be um, a common understanding that a shepherd takes care of the sheep and leads the sheep to these pastures. And sometimes in the pasture, there would be these low spots. And uh, if a sheep uh, would lie down and roll into one of those low spots and land on their back or for whatever reason end up on their back, uh, them being top heavy, it would cause all the fluids to drain towards their back and literally hold them down and sometimes even drown themselves in their own fluids. And so they would call that being cast down or being cast. And so when a, a sheep is cast, he can't move, he's paralyzed. And, and the organs begin to shut down. And within 24 hours, it could be dead. Even actually a few hours, it could be dead. And so it, the analogy goes for us. David says later on other Psalms, he says, hey, soul, why are you cast? Why are you cast down, my soul? We sang this song, the song that talked about gratitude, where, and we basically are talking to ourselves. We're speaking to our soul. You've got a lion inside of you. Get on up. Get on up and praise the Lord. Sometimes we can be cast down. So as we're reading through this and we're talking about this, let's, let's picture ourselves as sheep, not sheep that follow a political leader, sheep that follow a shepherd that is the Lord. You see what I'm saying? Not sheep that follow trends or follow a boss or follow money, but sheep that are being taken care of by a loving father that is watching out over us, that sees things ahead of time and prepares a table before our enemies. And he takes care of us. So sheep can get really agitated easy. And so I want to go over a few things that agitate sheep and and relate it to us, because we as people, sometimes, we kind of get lost, and we find ourselves like sheep. In Isaiah, it says this, in Isaiah uh, 50, uh, 26, or uh, 53, verse 6, it says, all of us like sheep have strayed away. We have left God's path to follow our own. You know what that does? I know that this happened to me this week. I was, uh, some of you know that we have a daycare here where we watch kids um, from birth or, uh, yeah, from one years old all the way up to sixth grade. And so we do before and after school care, take them to school, pick them up from school and do the whole thing. And parents uh, that work two parent households or single parent households that work all day, they, we take care of the kids and love them and raise them up in the things of God. It's a faith-based uh, daycare. So we're planning on doing this outdoor one out on the 90 acres that we own in, Black, own in Black Diamond. And so I was out there with one of our guys, Nick Donisi, and we were out there uh, exploring because we're going to do a pilot program uh, in two weeks. 
And so we wanted to find this peat bog where we could take the kids out and have them explore the trails that go through the peat bog because there's a lot of signs of animal life and some interesting plants and things like that and cool places to hike through and all that. So I wanted to go there because I hadn't been out there for about 13, 14 years and it's all overgrown, it's all natural area. And people, most people don't even know it's there until they watch this on TV. Uh, and you yourselves, now you all know the secret. Please don't go there without permission. Um, but uh, so we go out there and we have to bushwhack back there uh, to where we see game trails. And so we get on the game trails and we, and we can tell it's going somewhere. And I know the direction of the peat bog. So we get down there and we're walking back there. And oh, it was so cool. We just loved it. It was like, you know, seeing God's creation like that and seeing the uniqueness of that environment is just so inspiring. So we were both kind of oohing on. And then we come to the end of it, and I can hear the road up above us. And so I know we're close to the road. So it looks like we're about 50 feet, and, except there is no trail going up to the road. There's only a trail going back to the way we came. And, but the way we came took so long to get there, I thought, we can take a shortcut, go up to the road, then walk down the road, and we can come down the logging road and come back the other way. And so uh, I thought, well, there's some tall grass there and stuff. I think we can just truck through that. So I, we both grabbed sticks, and we start whacking our way through there and just knocking down sticker bushes and stuff like that and just walking through and made some pretty good progress. But about 50 feet in, it looks like it's another 50 feet. And, uh, and so, and now the blackberries are starting to poke. Uh, my bracelet breaks off my wrist. And I pick it up and I'm starting to get irritated. I got one stuck in my hair and I got one on my back and I'm like dragging sticker bushes up the way. But inside I'm thinking, I can't let on that I think that we did the wrong thing. Because he's following me and I'm responsible to lead us out of this thing. And so I'm thinking, I just got to get through this. And so I'm just toughing my way through it. And the whole time I'm getting poked, I'm getting scraped, my clothes are ripping, all kinds of stuff. And I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. Yeah, that's no problem. And, uh, and finally, I just said, you know what? We got to turn around. I look at him and he goes, okay. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> he had no problem. And we walked back out to where we went and found that game trail and get, found our way out of there. It's kind of like us as life. Sometimes we start choosing our own path. We get poked, and we get irritated, and we get frustrated, but we're determined that our way is going to work. As Christians, we can do the same thing, right? We can do the same thing. It's like we, we know we're doing the wrong thing. We know we have skipped some processes. We know we're not living moral. We know we're not living right. We know we're not acting right. We're not doing our business right. We know this. We're not doing our relationship right or our marriage right or our parenting right, but we refuse to submit ourselves to the Lord sometimes. But we call ourselves Christians, and we go to church, and we take communion, and we sing the songs, and we clap our hands and send our kids to camp, and all these kinds of things. But we choose our own path sometimes. And then pretty soon we realize we're going down the wrong path, and we got to get out of here. And so we got to get back to where we left the path. Well, we finally found some game trails that took us back to this road that we recognized and we go, oh, this is the right path. We're on the right path now. 
And as we're walking back, I'm just thinking the whole way. It's like, man, I never should have got off the trail. Never should have got off the trail. So let me give you some things that keep people on the right path when it comes to eating and feasting in the green pastures and drinking beside the still waters. So if for... When it says that he makes me to lie down in green pastures, he's not, that's not a forced thing. God doesn't force you to do these things. He invites you in. He inspires you. He leads you to the still waters. He doesn't make you. But what happens is, is he puts a desire in your heart. In Psalms it says this, that God will give you desires in your heart. In your heart there are desires to do the right thing, to follow the right path. And when you follow those desires, then you, then you start to see the results that you want. But some of us are praying for results instead of following the right path. Okay, now li- think about that for a second. Some of us want the results that prayer will bring, but they don't want the results that getting on the right path will bring. Are you following the difference? Okay? Because following the path holds you accountable. Saying a prayer puts God in charge of the decisions that you're supposed to be making. No, God's not in charge of that. You are. You're in charge to follow the one who is in charge. Are you getting this? Because you're pretty quiet. Or maybe it's the 4th of July and you're saving energy for staying up all night on the 4th and lighting off fireworks. I don't know. But if you think about that, there is a lot of times we pray for things that if we, we would have if we would just stay on the right path. So me praying to get to the road and to get through those sticker bushes is not the right prayer. For me to turn around and get back on the trail that I departed is the right thing to do. So with sheep, let's look at this. Psalms 4 verse 8, um, it says this, In peace I will lie down and sleep, for you alone, Lord, will keep me safe. The right path is knowing that we follow after the Lord so that we be safe and that we can be at peace and so we can sleep well. Isaiah 26, 3 says, You... You will keep in perfect peace all who trust you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. So there's this this place of rest, there's this place of peace, there's this place of well-being that comes when we fix our mind, when we fix our thoughts, when when we fix our energies on the right things. And so sheep can't lie down when they don't know, think that the shepherd's around. But if the shepherd is around, if the Lord is around, the sheep will lie down. Otherwise, they'll stand up and they'll sleep standing up. And some of us don't have the presence of the Lord on a regular basis. We come to church, but there's that big gap between church and church. And church isn't going to do it for you, man. It's not going to do it for you. I'm going to give you a list here of, of things that he does to make me lie down in green pastures. 
Let's start with the first one. The sheep will not relax. They will not rest if they leave the shepherd. If they leave the shepherd, they become vulnerable to hyenas and jackals and other enemies. If they leave the shepherd, oftentimes what will happen is they'll go to places that the shepherd wouldn't want them to go. Places where there's like little holes in the, in the ground. There's places where there's little divots and things like that. And the sh- shepherd, a good shepherd will lead them away from those places so that they don't fall and get cast down. And so what, what we find is, is that when the sheep leave the shepherd, that all kinds of things become vulnerable. We see this happen with our friends, right? We have friends. Uh, they decide that they want to explore other things. They want to try other paths. And they go down different places and they get poked on different things. Life begins to take some rough turn. But they can't go back because they've told everybody, well, I don't believe in God. I no longer believe in church. I no longer believe in the body of Christ. I no longer, you know, the church is a bunch of hypocrites. It's a bunch of people that are, say one thing and do another thing and all kinds of reasons. But literally, they have left the shepherd. And the shepherd always knows exactly what you need. How how many times have you come and you've been in church or you've opened up your Bible or you've listened to uh, a podcast or you listened to the word of God in some form or fashion or you're with a Bible study or with somebody and the word that came was exactly the word you needed for the thing that you were doing right now. And yet, sometimes what happens, it's true. But sometimes it happens when we walk away and we choose to do our own thing because we think our path is better. And sometimes we get the, the, the situation that keeps us up, keeps us restless. But another thing that happens is when sheep get agitated by bullies, it puts them at unrest. And so they won't lie down in green pastures. And this happens amongst the body of Christ sometimes. Sometimes there's bullies in the body of Christ. There's people that feel like it's their job to call you out on all your sins. It's their job to call you out on all your theological errors. It's their job to prove superiority or to control you. You ever had a family member be super controlling and so it just takes all the life out of the party because it's like, come on, back off. Sheep sometimes have bullies in the herd, and they'll headbutt, and they will, they will respond to, you know, the more gentler sheep by bullying them and hitting them with their heads and pounding them on their, on, on their heads and just kind of shove them all over the place. And uh, we, used to, we had some goats out back and some sheep out back here. Some of you didn't know that we had that, but it's all fenced in area. We have an acre back there. And so we got some sheep and some goats for the, um, so the kids in the daycare we could see, see them and feed them, and none of which happened. Um, <laughs> not much, anyway. Uh, but anyway, so we got them, and, and it, it was fun, except for the fact that when the kids would go out there, the, the sheep would run away, and the, sh- the goats were super friendly, but they would literally push on the kids and knock them over. They were bullies. And uh, we see this happening sometimes in the Christian world, where people feel it's their job to take the word of God 
and hammer other people with it instead of taking the word of God and learning from it and, and sh- letting it shape them and, le- and let it inspire them to help others to be inspired by it. But if the minute you use this to control somebody's behavior, you've blown it. When the student is ready, the teacher will appear. And sometimes we start with confronting before we start with loving. Okay? So, listen. Don't be a bully. But if you're getting bullied, don't let that rattle you. Just go to the good shepherd. Just remember, when somebody starts putting you, or we had this talk with the worship team right before here, that he, one of our guys went to a barbershop, and, and the guys in the barbershop started confronting them. Uh, and they started confronting them and bad-mouthing everybody that wasn't like them. And that's not okay. And so pretty soon what happens is, is that when you're theological position is used to prove everybody wrong instead of to find the good in everybody around you, you you got an issue. You got an issue. Here's the other thing. Another thing is, so so we got to watch out for the bullies because the bullies will keep the sheep from resting. And sometimes, I think that sometimes we get restless and we get afraid because we start to doubt our salvation, we start to doubt our Christianity, we start to d- doubt our relationships, all kinds of things. Now, accountability is good, but accountability is relational. Just consider that. The other thing that happens is, is that pests will pester, and they'll pester sheep, and flies will get right up their nose and go right up their nostrils, and they'll work their way right up their their. Their, their nose and up into their brain and literally drive them crazy. And so they'll bang their heads against rocks and then trees or whatever they can or other sheep and because it's driving them crazy. And have you ever had that person in your life that just drives you crazy? The way they talk to you or the behaviors that they have and hopefully it's not your spouse, but you know, there's, there's sometimes that the enemy will start to drive you crazy. And so what, what happens is, is that when people have unmet standards and they start getting, uh, and they start bothering you with their unmet standards, and some, some people have these standards that they want you to live by, and when you don't live by them, it's a problem for them. And then pretty soon you become a victim of the person that has these unmet standards. And when we are controlling people, kind of like the last one, those unmet standards, those violations, those grudges, they need a little salve right here. And the good shepherd would come and bring salve to the sheep and just rub it right here. Just rub it on their, the bridge of their nose. And then that, that salve would go in there and begin to drive the bugs out. And so that we get some peace. And that's what the good shepherd does. That's where the anointing comes in. When the anointing of God comes and brings some peace into your soul and you just allow it to come in, one starts with your thoughts and works its way down into your heart. And like this morning when we were worshiping, there was opportunity to take it from just singing songs to just engaging in prayer and worship. 
and taking communion together. And all of a sudden, all of that, those irritations that come from the relationships that we have and starts to drive out all those irritants instead of banging your head on the wall and feeling like you're going crazy and going on a downward spiral and drilling in on certain things. All of a sudden, there's just this calm that comes. But sheep can't lay down when there's pests. Some of you have pests in your life. And some of you have been the pest, right? And so we have to be careful of that. We can learn from this. Another thing that happens is when enemies are near or appear to be close, there is this, this thing where sheep can't sleep when they think that there's something crawling around out there or they can see the reflection in their eyes out there from the moonlight. They can't sleep. They have to stay standing up because they don't know at any time it could attack. I feel like we're living in a time right now where people are fixated on their enemies. And it's, it's shaping their souls. When you're fixated, when you are constantly looking and, and staring at what could attack you or what could attack your children or what could attack your family or what could attack your Christianity or what could... What could, what could, what could? <sighs> Without the Lord, man, you won't lay it down. You will always be in fear. Now, it's, there's an interesting passage in Psalms 91. If you look at Psalms 91, it's, this is also David that wrote this. And he talks about this peace, this sense of well-being that we can have, this place where we can rest, this place where we can lie down in green pastures, and where we can know that we're going to be okay. We have to recognize that there is a certain protection that comes with the Lord. But there's a part that comes to play in our lives. And if you look at it, Psalms 91 and verse 1, it says that he who dwells in the secret place. In other words, spend some time with God. The secret place of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, and my God in whom I trust. There's a trust that's got to come in. If you want that irritant to leave, that fear to leave, if you want that unrest to leave, you got to trust. Verse 3, it says, he, surely he will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his feathers and under your, his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. You will not fear the terror by night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness. See, this is his experience as a shepherd saying this. Nor the plague that destroys at midday. Now, here's the key, verse 7. A thousand may fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near you. Okay? Now, listen to this, verse 8. You will only observe with your eyes. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. If you make the most high your dwelling and even the Lord who is your refuge, then no harm will come befall you. No disaster will come near your tent. Now notice this. He says, only with your eye will you see the... And Behold and see the reward of wicked. I want, you to, I want you to look at the things that are going on in our world right now. 
And I want you to know, if you internalize what's going on out into the world and allow it into your soul, you will not be able to sleep. You will not be able to rest. You will not be able to lie down in the green pastures. You have to remember that you will see things that are evil. You're going to see, you're starting to see more and more things become more and more obvious in our world today. Things that directly assault God, God's morals, his standards, his leadership, his superiority, all those things. There's constantly secular ideas and thoughts that are undermining God and his church. That's going to be happening more and more. And some of it is blatantly evil, satanic. It's out there. You're seeing it. How many have seen evidence of that? Okay. It's out there. Okay. Now, the key is you can see it and you can observe it, but you can't internalize it. Only with your eyes will you behold and see. Only with your eyes. So, in other words, don't engage in it. Don't be a part of it. And don't let it create fear inside your soul. Keep it out there. Keep it as an observation. Okay, there's a reward for that wickedness, and I ain't participating in that reward, so I'm, I'm out. Okay? Keep this in mind. God knows everything that's going on in our world today. And when he decides that he's going to do something, he's going to use you, he's going to use me, he's going to use this church, he's going to use all kinds of things. But it'll be him that leads the way, not you. He's going to lead the way, and he's going to stir up some things that are going to be beautiful. But just always say this to you, in, when you start to feel fear, you start to be worried about your future, and you're worried about your retirement, you're worried about your children or your grandchildren, and all that kind of stuff, just remember, the Lord is your refuge. He's your God, and you trust him, and you're going to see the rewards of the wicked, but you are not going to receive those rewards because a thousand may fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand. It will not come near you because only with your eyes will you behold and see the reward of the wicked. Only with your eyes. Only with your eyes. Now, if you get off the right path, then you're going to experience some of those rewards. Okay, that's just a fact. You need to keep your eyes focused in on the things that God has for you. Amen? We'll continue this next week and talk about still waters because it's something that's going to engage your soul in a way that's going to refresh you and be beautiful. Amen? I'd love to get into it right now because it's the best part of my whole message, but that's okay. <laughs> next week, we'll get it. Let's pray.